0: you and i have a rendezvous with destiny we'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of
2: darkness you and i have the ability and the dignity and the right to make our own decisions and determine our own destiny
1: no fear no political correctness Exposing the Tyranny of the Minority. You're listening to Underground USA with your host, Frank Silvato.
2: Rendezvous with
1: Thanks for tuning back into the Underground USA. I am Frank Salvato. Uh, as always, everything that we have and do over at Underground USA you can find at undergroundusa.com and because of the massive exodus that has happened from Facebook and Twitter, which I couldn't be happier about, uh, find us at Underground USA on Parlor and on MeWe. Uh, I'm Bringing aboard right now uh, a gentleman by the name of Pete Dabrasco, uh, who I will be doing a podcast with uh, in association with uh, NationalFile.com uh, three times a week once we get this thing up and running. Pete, welcome to the Underground.
2: Frank, it's good to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, putting on
1: a good show and uh, talking politics with you. And and I think it's going to be a little a little more irreverent, than uh, what the traditional podcasts are about this. I know some of the people, can they want to get off and rant and rave and things like that, but uh, because we're actually looking into these issues uh, as people who write about them, we've got a, sometimes a little bit of a different bent on the subject matter that actually gives a little bit more depth to it for the people who are consuming it. I think
2: that's right. And, um, you know, this is an important time for particularly for independent journalists to be able to speak freely. I don't think that there are enough platforms out there that allow that to happen. I don't think there are enough platforms that allow us to disseminate uh, the information that we glean. I think that, you know, the mainstream media has has all but really tried to box us out of this whole game. And, And so I think it's important what we're doing here and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of freedom in independent journalism, and and uh, I won't say startups because that's not really a, a a good descriptor of of what outlets like National File do and what we're trying to do with the podcast uh, that we're going to be putting over, which I think is going to be called, and I'm hoping it'll be called Uncensored with Frank and Pete, which I think is a decent name. We'll we'll see what the powers that be have to say. <laughs> Uh, not like the gatekeepers over at Fox or CNN, but uh, we, we do have to bounce things off people. Um, you know, right. when you, we get into the issues that, that we cover, a lot of times it, it falls out of that formula of the uh, mainstream media. Uh, top three stories that have to be rehashed, repeated, uh or, reintroduced uh sometimes those headlines can get very very stale and and i don't see when you get in when you get into independent media or or people who want or independent reporters uh there is a there's a want and a need and a and a desire to actually break out of that corporate mold that you see in every outlet and i think that helps people understand issues a lot deeper
2: that's right. I wish that we didn't have to work against the mainstream media all the time. I wish that we were all allied together in searching for the truth. But what it comes down to a lot of the time, and I think we're going to discuss this a little bit later in the show today, uh, is you know independent folks like you and I trying to yank the truth out of the mainstream media's story, and that's that's where I see our role here, um, and and so you know for people like us, it's good. I mean, it gives us material to cover and fodder to talk about. But I, I really wish we didn't have to spend uh, all of our time, you know, sort of uh, gatekeeping the gatekeepers, right, or, or or watching the people who are supposed to be holding the powerful accountable. Uh, in a lot of ways, the, the media has become. The powerful they are the powerful they 're part of that that power establishment and uh, and i don 't think that 's healthy for for what is supposed to be a free and democratic society so here we are
1: and, and I think another thing that we do is we chip away at that that agreed to narrative, yes, you know that is, that becomes common across the both sides of the ideological aisle when you look at the at the left side of the aisle, which is i mean this is definitive. When you yes. look at the left side of the aisle you've got uh you've got people with one narrative it's group think and we're going this way and when you get to the other side of the aisle, whether it's on written or whether it's on television or or even on podcast, you've got this other narrative and these two narratives want to butt heads all the time but it doesn't have to be that way that's right we could all you know
2: forthrightly and honestly pursue the truth that would be ideal but I have to tell you one of the most shocking things I've seen in the week since uh, Election Day, and there have been a lot of shocking, there's been you know plenty of shocking news to go around. I've been seeing, I don't want to say tons, tons isn't the word, but a significant handful of people saying things like, well, if I had known that Joe Biden was going to propose a national lockdown or a national mask mandate, I wouldn't have voted for him. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, how is that something you, you couldn't have known? Um, and, I, and I think that that really sort of speaks to the level of media malfeasance that, uh, that exists today. If you're just reading headlines and that is your basis uh, by which you select a candidate to vote for, uh, you're not going to be in very good shape when you go to the voting booth. And, and again, not healthy for, for our democracy, not healthy for a free society wherein uh you know we're supposed to choose our leaders based on facts and uh and and you know what we think is best for our own self-governance
1: no and and this comes down to the way that the people consume their information you you brought up the point about uh about uh the uh Reading just the headlines and thinking that you've consumed the article is something I've railed about for, it's got to be 20 years now, um, because it's been happening for that long. You, you've got people who will read the headlines, maybe read the first paragraph, and all of the sudden, they have been empowered to believe that they understand everything about the story. And it's just not true. But we've come down to this this moment in time in our society when people um, are they manhandle their schedule during the day they only have so many minutes to do this they've got to get to the soccer game or they've got to get to work or they've got to get to the meeting or they've got to get to um the next episode of of american housewives on fire or whatever <laughs> the next is. you know but they don't allot time for the real reality tv for lack of a better phrase that is what's going on in politics and government which rules them and then they show up surprised.
2: Yes. It is it is pretty amazing to me how little uh, people talk about, you know, how we order our society, right? And and this is actually part of you know what I would call the, the psychological operations of the powerful, right? What are the what are the two things that we are always told we're not supposed to talk about? We're not supposed to talk about politics politics and religion. That's right. In in polite society, well, those are the two most important things that we could possibly talk about. I mean, you're telling me we're not allowed or it's not polite to discuss how we order our society? Um, And and so I think, you know, a lot of people have fallen into that trap too. Um, And then you look at places where you're supposed to go to learn, you know, high school, college campuses. These aren't places where there's any meaningful discussion. Uh, these are places again that are part of this same sort of po- all-powerful structure where y- you don't go to expose yourself to new ideas. You go to adopt the orthodoxy, or you are uh, out- ostracized, or you you know you won't have a social life, or you won't you know be able to participate in any of the fun things that you're supposed to be doing. So I mean, you know we're not we're not exactly in a good shape in good shape when it comes to. Uh, being able to disseminate what's actually happening in society at large. You know, there's a few of us. There's yeah. there's a very small percentage of the population that is very much on top of all of this stuff. And then there's basically a whole other universe of people. And that's really the way I look at it when I go out in public and, and I'm, you know, interacting with people who, who I don't know very well or have just met. I mean, we live in different planets. We live on different in different worlds. And, uh, and so... I think for people like us, it's tough to, to relate to the rest of society at large. Sometimes, and that's my that's been my personal experience at least. Yeah,
1: and going back to what you talked about about uh, high schools and getting into college, which now just been labeled indoctrination mills, it, it they have pretty much encapsulized Ford's assembly line in education, um, where it they want to instill you to think a certain way once you get out or once you advance if it's high school going into college or college into the workplace with a certain set of understandings what they've failed to do miserably in the last I'm going to say 30 years not all institutions not all teachers but but the overall of the 30,000 foot look down on the education system is they've they've co-opted teaching critical thinking skills teaching kids how to think for themselves into teaching kids what to think and that became very dangerous when you when it's handled by the progressive left in this society that wants a certain socially engineered outcome for everybody going forward
2: yes absolutely my alma mater is sort of the perfect example of this. I am not a fan of my alma mater. I graduated from Elon University in North Carolina uh, in 2014 with a degree in business management. And just as I was leaving, that's sort of when the social justice agenda was becoming prevalent. It was right after the Ferguson riots and so forth. And all I've seen from my alma mater, which consistently calls and texts and emails begging me for money, is uh, basically what amounts to an anti-conservative agenda, which is kind of ironic considering that the university uh, in its you know 125 plus year existence has, has basically been funded, attended, and run by... Uh, white Christian Americans, conservatives uh, from the South, Presbyterians mostly. Uh, so you know they're they're clearly swinging to the other end of the pendulum here. And I don't know, quite frankly, how how well that's going to work out for them. I mean, eventually, there's going to have to be a critical mass at all these universities of uh, sort of older folks, I guess you would call it the the baby boomer generation that funds these universities primarily. That wakes up and realizes what's being taught to their kids and grandkids and says, you know, I can't continue in good conscience to give these people money. Uh, that's what I'm hoping happens to the university system, but I don't see that happening uh, really anytime soon.
1: You mentioned the baby boomers, and there's there an alternative solution to them waking up, and that is that that whole generation will start to die off. <laughs>
2: yeah. you know? So I don't know. if uh, I guess since we're going to call this show Uncensored, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just say what I've been thinking here, which is like, I don't know if America's going to survive until the baby boomer generation dies off.
1: Well, you know, it, it's really it, a
2: question it, of timing.
1: This, if this election didn't make anything else clearer, that is, that's what was bare, laid bare, is that we really are just one election away. And Reagan said this back in the 80s. You're you you're one generation away from losing freedom completely. Well, I'm going to kind of morph that a little bit and say we're just one election away from losing the republic completely.
2: Absolutely. I, I think that uh, no matter what happens with this election, and obviously we're caught up in, in the middle of this, will be, a, you know, the, the most historic battle in history, probably, for the presidency. Um, I think no matter the outcome, we're, we're, we are in for a serious period of unrest here. And, you know, whether the republic survives or not is a question that remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not particularly optimistic. I think if you look back through history, the average length of an empire is about 250 years. If you look at where the United States is right now, we're at, we're at year 245, I think. So uh, historically, <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll see what happens.
1: I'm talking to Pete DeBrusco, uh, somebody I'm going to be doing a podcast with in association with National File uh, over at NationalFile.com. And uh, we'll continue our conversation and take it to Fox News when we get back. You're listening to the Underground USA. We're back after this
3: you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, This ain't your mama's tea.
1: Welcome back to Underground USA. I'm your host, Frank Silvato. I'm talking with uh, Pete Debrusco, who is uh, going to... We're going to do a podcast for NationalFile.com. Hopefully, it's going to be called Uncensored with Frank and Pete. We'll see how that flies, if it sticks to the wall or not. Um, Pete, we've seen the radical... And, and abrupt knee-jerk drop of Fox News from grace as far as people who are um, conservative or even even just truth-bound uh, that used to see them as an oasis because they have taken this incredible turn to the left. Um, how do you think... Now, I know they, when they called Arizona that it did affect people out on the West Coast. It was, it was the buzz and, and whether we like to... Believe it or not, when states get called on the East Coast, it affects the voter turnout and what happens going into the Midwest and the the West Coast, of course. How do you think Fox News' sudden knee-jerk to the progressive left affected the election?
2: Well, I think that you're certainly right that it it probably uh, suppressed some turnout for President Trump in in the West maybe even Nevada which I think is the big battleground here I know that they're they're still counting in Arizona and it looks like President Trump is is on his way to overtaking Joe Biden's lead there by a very slim margin but I think the bigger picture with Fox News here is something that if you had if we' had, you know if we've been paying close attention to Fox News for the last four or five years you know, we've sort of realized right that these people are, not exactly on Team GOP. They're definitely not on Team America First. You know, Paul Ryan is is sitting on the board of Fox News. This is very much the old guard Republican establishment. And I've gotten the sense over the the past four years that they've been trying to sort of cloak their hatred of President Trump and, and the populist movement. And that they've done a pretty good job of that with sort of the the normal audience that that has always watched Fox News and is uh, always going to watch Fox News, except for this very last week. It's almost like, I was talking with somebody about this last night, it's almost like they hung on and hung on and hung on, and they were so close to crossing the finish line and they just couldn't do it. Uh, And they went and they, they nuked the whole thing and they showed their hand, and they're proving to people who may not have been paying as close attention as as people like you and I, that they were never on the side of President Trump, that they were never the, the conservative alternative for for news, media, and cable, uh, but rather that they've been actively working against President Trump and allied with uh, the progressive left. You know, and, and this is the sort of the same old story that we've always seen with the, the GOP establishment. What they crave more than anything is to sort of be accepted at their highbrow cocktail parties by their liberal friends. They're, they're the same side of a different coin, or the, I'm sorry, they're a different side of the same coin, and uh, anything they can do to not rock the boat, they're going to do. Uh, and so when everybody called the election for, for Joe Biden, and we know the results haven't been certified, so did Fox News. And that, in a nutshell, is how Fox News has behaved. They've always sort of accepted the narrative of the political left. They're left light. And, uh, and they really showed that this week. And I think that they're going to lose a lot of viewership. I think they already are losing a lot of viewership. I think there are numbers out there that prove that.
1: Yeah, I think last Saturday they said that uh, they came, their coverage came in third behind CNN and MSNBC. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a dramatic fall.
2: Yeah, I mean, without and that includes Tucker Carlson's numbers, right? I mean, without Tucker Carlson, the network would be dead.
1: Yeah, they they, they did. One American News would be beating them.
2: Yes, absolutely. I think uh, you know, Newsmax is beating them in certain demographics now too, they've been banging that drum a lot on Twitter. I don't know if you yeah. follow Emerald Robinson, but she's an anchor and reporter over there. She's she's sort of leading the charge against Fox News for obviously self interested reasons. But hey, look if you're if you know if people if, if there is a, a void to fill for a conservative alternative to CNN and MSNBC, then somebody needs to fill it, and it will be Newsmax or it will be OAN. Um, and it looks like Newsmax is sort of poised to to jump in right now
1: so. there's there's nothing wrong when opportunity um, meshes with doing what's right it's just a win-win um i'm going to take the your idea about about them wanting to be accept, accepted at the cocktail parties a step further i i think over the years and and especially after the reagan era but it started well before then I think we have to realize and understand that progressives, that ideology exists on both sides of the aisle, that that there is a a group of people that know better than you how you should be living your life. Um, On the right, it tends to marry itself with the globalists of the Republican Party, but the progressive ideology at its base and core is exactly the same. They just cloak it in a different it's it's not in a donkey suit it's in an elephant suit so for a long time the gop and the republicans have been pulling away from true conservatives and people who want to adhere uh to originalist constitution constitutional government um to the point where and and you've heard it said many times if you close your eyes sometimes you don't know who's speaking is it a democrat or a republican in washington dc
2: that's right and, and what they've really done is they've they've defined what true conservatism means, and they've defined it in a way such that true conservatism is actually libertarianism, right? So the Koch brothers were are, are sort of the figureheads of, of this movement. Uh, they believe in absolute free market capitalism, no matter the cost. They believe in uh, social socially sort of libertarian policies like gay marriage and they're they're only sort of anti-abortion in name only they they still vote to you know the conservatives in in Washington still vote to fund planned parenthood every single year uh, and so on and so forth down the line with all of these different policies and and so what what's happened is it, we've come to a point where there is no real real meaningful conservative opposition and obviously that was the appeal <laughs> Of Donald Trump, he came out swinging, talking about borders in 2016, which nobody talked about forever. You know, talking about the forgotten man, which, to be honest, really means the forgotten white man, right? In, yeah. yeah. In, 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 which you're not allowed to say, right? You're not, no, you're not allowed to talk about are, that.
1: You're not allowed to say white, or you're a hater.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, you know, one say what you want about Donald Trump's uh, re-election campaign, and I think he's going to end up pulling this out. The, the re-election campaign really did move far away from that strategy. They stopped talking about the forgotten man. They stopped saying, we're going to bring your manufacturing jobs back. They stopped saying, you know, we're going to end the opioid crisis in all of these forgotten communities in the Rust Belt. And they started talking about a lot of the things that you would expect to hear from this sort of libertarian wing of the conservative party, like uh, you know, lowest minority unemployment rates ever. And uh, people just don't, the Republican base, the true Republican base, just doesn't care about that. They've been left behind for such a long time that they want somebody to work in their interests. And this is true, by the way, not just among uh, people who have been voting for a long time, not just among uh, millennials or, or Gen Z or the baby boomer population. This is actually especially true among uh, Generation Z. The generation that's behind mine. So I'm a millennial. I'm the tail end of the millennial generation. And I can tell you for a fact that white Generation Z kids, I call them kids. I think, you know, the oldest ones are probably 23 or 24, whatever. Uh, these people have grown up being told, particularly the white males, the white Christian males, have, been, have grown up being told that their very existence is a burden to yep. the rest of society. Yeah. Right, that, that by their by by simply by breathing, they are somehow oppressing somebody else. And so the Republican Party would be smart to pander to its base and not to, you know, continue to sort of build this this big tent. They always talk about, you know, we're the big tent party, we're inclusive of everybody, and we are. But if if you're talking about winning elections, then you know, the GOP has and has had and still has this sort of fundamental engineering problem where they don't go and get all of the votes that are at the, the bottom of the totem pole, right? Which would be considered the base, right? When You know, when you're running a campaign, you want to fill all of your buckets and you want to fill the buckets that are easiest to fill first. And the easiest bucket to fill in the Republican Party is the white Christian male. It always has been. It always will be. It doesn't mean you can't go fill other buckets. But before you do that, before you branch out, you have to make sure your house is in order. You have to make sure you start with the people who are the lowest hanging fruit for the party. Um, And anybody who who advocates against that strategy is doing a disservice to the candidate, to the party as a whole. And, And you've seen a whole bunch of people in the Trump orbit who have done this. Uh, for, for, four, for the four years that Donald Trump has been in office, they have moved him away from what his original gut instinct and in messaging was. And that gut instinct and in that messaging is what got him elected.
1: Um, yeah, it's a, when, when you look at, and I've always said this about the GOP, especially in recent years, is that they're the party of it's my turn and when they named McDaniels as the chairwoman I my jaw dropped because that was a very poor pick you're you're picking from the political creatures that exist inside the beltway if you want to you know if you want to actually uh, rejuvenate and and renumber and get back to your roots so that you have a solid base you've got to get away from its the my turn elitist mindset that's in the yes. Republican party in Washington so you were talking about the base. He was getting advice from people saying, "You know Joe Biden picking Kamala harris and and this and the idea of socialism being in their plank that'll be enough to satisfy your base instead of embracing them and talking with them and reassuring them so that you can energize them. They said, "Well, who are they going to vote for? They're not going to vote for Biden, right." You know, and that's the kind of politics that's led to this elitist class in the GOP, which, you know, right now, I, I've been a Republican ever since I was 18. My my first campaign was, was Ronald Reagan's. You know, I, I was out there doing what had to be done, and I've worked on four presidential pay- campaigns since then, and I've seen this party progressively... For lack of a better word, progressively go progressive <laughs> since the 1980s, and it's been incremental, just the way the progressives took over the Democrat Party, which was incremental since the turn of the 20th century. So we've got to be aware of that, and we've got to be a little bit protective of what we actually stand for. And that doesn't happen when you are when you're playing the elitist game. I, I think that's a danger that that the party faces. I,
2: I totally agree with you, and you know I would submit to you that the, the GOP as a party is is functionally useless. And to be quite honest with you, I would rather uh, you know put the names of a bunch of random truckers into a hat and pick one out to be the party chair, you know, versus Ronna McDaniel. who would admit Romney's niece, right? Give me a break.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd quite honestly, I think if you, if you got that trucker, and it was somebody who went cross to cross, he'd have a better understanding of what's happening out there than most of these elitist class people do.
2: Absolutely. You know, I've been running campaigns this whole cycle, and one sort of conclusion that I've come to is that the average person is more qualified to sit in Congress than any of the people who are currently elected to Congress. Oh,
1: absolutely. And the only reason the average people don't do their duty the way the the framers thought it would it would work out is because they don't want to go through the media labyrinth that takes that takes a, a baseball bat to their kneecaps over everything they've done in their life just because they want to serve an office.
2: That's right. And and also, you know, it's it's a burden. It, running for office is a burden. Running for office is not something that's easy. I think that a lot of people that do get into Uh, running for certain offices think that it's going to be all glory, it's going to be all media attention, you're going to get in studio with the big talking heads and the bright lights and so forth. But really, it's a grind. You know, It's a lot of, and this is, again, sort of a a result of the way our political class has been set up. It takes a lot of money to run a political campaign. And so most of the campaign ends up being candidates sitting there calling donors and, and raising money and you know, trying to get TV ads on the air, which are very expensive, so that they can, you know, build their name recognition against their opponents. It's not it's not a desirable thing to do. And so what has happened consequently is, is that most of the people that end up getting elected to office probably worked in the office of the person that preceded them. You know, that's that's the story at least in my congressional district, where our current congressman has has never met a payroll. He's never had a real job. He's always been leeching off the taxpayer. He worked for Jesse Helms, uh, who is sort of a, a famous Senator here. And then, mm-hmm. uh, immediately after that ran for Congress on <laughs> based on the credentials that he had worked for a Senator, right? right. Not that he has any sort of real world right. experience that might be beneficial to ordinary people.
1: So. And, you know, this, uh, when you talk about the grind and, and this is something that is, uh, uh, that everybody is starting to understand a little bit that these things are a grind. Um, it is a testimony to to the stamina of of Donald Trump. I'm not I'm not here to thump Trump. Uh, when he ran the first time, I had my reservations, but he's turned out to be a fantastic gatekeeper to the Constitution, and God bless him for it. Um, it's a testimony to his stamina. I mean, you saw what happened to Biden at the end of that campaign. The last. 2 weeks he was maybe maybe the last month he was out of gas you could see that he was out of gas and it sent a message that his health was frail and that's why we got all the talk about maybe Pelosi made her move with re, with the uh, the committee to remove the president because of his health not because of Trump but right. be, but because of Biden and that Kamala Harris was going to be the next one i think that worked to their disadvantage um but it is a grind it's it's not for the weak and it's it's for the young but sadly there's that that weird balance when you when you don't have the experience that life affords you and you get into office quickly in in youth you can't call on your own experiences to be able to counsel you when you have to make decisions you have to rely on right. others and that's when the bureaucracy and the machine and the swamp and the deep state all affect your uh, your thought processes because you don't want to do the wrong thing.
2: Right, it's like the apple in the Garden of Eden, right? You yeah, know, come here. We'll we'll help you. Yeah, we will we will we will make it easier on you. And oh, by the way, now you're in bed with the devil.
1: That's right. That's right. We're talking to uh, Pete Debrusco Bethy- and uh, we're going to take a break right now. We're um, you'll be able to hear Pete and I on a on a podcast that hopefully we're going to be calling. Uh, Uncensored with Frank and Pete, um, associated with the Uh You're listening to Underground USA. All of our stuff's at UndergroundUSA.com. We'll be right back after this. This portion of Underground USA is brought to you by Delvecchio Defense Instruction, DDI. Hit your bullseye with DDI. DDI offers NRA-certified instruction in basic pistol safety, NRA pistol marksmanship simulator training, women on target, and their non-lethal refuse to be a victim program. You can also engage in DDI's non-lethal defense training, where they have warrior workshops, empower hour, safe showings workshops, safe hearts workshops, and damsel sister safety. To find out more, log on to bullseye.com, that's bullseye.com, or email laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at bullseye-ddi. Dot .com Welcome back to Underground USA. I'm your host Frank Salvato. We're talking to Pete Diabrusca who's uh, going to be my my microphone mate over at uh, Uncensored with Frank and Pete if we get that checked off uh, over in association with nationalfile.com. Before we went to break, Pete, you were about to say something.
2: Yeah, so we, you know, we were talking about the stamina of Donald Trump and, and how amazing it is really that at age 74, he was able to to, to do what he did. And, and even when he was 70, when he ran the first time, there's an interesting anecdote that I wanted to share just very briefly before we get on to our next topic. I'm not sure how much of our audience has read Let Trump Be Trump by Corey Lewandowski, but it's a fascinating book that looked into the original Trump campaign. And in that book, Corey Lewandowski describes a, a point in time where Donald Trump was campaigning during the primary and he said uh, you know I have two private planes and a helicopter and everybody thought he was bragging right they thought he was talking about how rich he was which is something that that Donald Trump is known to do right he's
1: he's not a bashful guy
2: (laughs) right it wouldn't have uh, been out of character for him but uh, Corey Lewandowski says that it wasn't until after the campaign after he won that they realized that that wasn't what he was saying Uh, because during the original Trump campaign he would make two or three or four stops a day in all these battleground states, as we saw. And then he would actually sleep in his bed every night in the Trump Tower in, in New York City. Uh, and what he was saying when he was talking about his planes and his helicopter was that he could campaign more effectively than any of the other candidates in the race. Right. Basically, he was saying, the reason I have the stamina to beat these people is because I can fly to four states And then I can fly back into New Jersey or New York or whatever it is. And I can take my helicopter. I can land it on the roof of the Trump Tower. And I can go to sleep in my own bed and wake up and do it again the next day. Uh, So I think that, you know, some of Donald Trump's stamina, and he's definitely superhuman. I mean, this guy sleeps six or four hours a day, right? Something I could never do. Right. Uh, But I think a lot of that stamina is is actually related to his wealth, believe it or not. uh, and, And sort of the lifestyle that he's accustomed to living. Which is a comfortable one to say. Well, the least.
1: It, it it certainly works in his favor, and because being able to sleep in your own bed is is a big deal. Before I got into politics and and all that, I was a, a touring musician, and I can tell you, living in hotels is no fun. It's it, it seem people think it's it's glamorous and this that and the other. For for the first week, it's kind of fun, but then it gets very tiring. You want to go home. So you're right. Being able to sleep in your own bed when you're on a grueling schedule like a presidential campaign, it can make all the difference in the world.
2: And I think it did, you know, to to at least to some extent. It it gave him, I mean, it gave him a huge advantage uh, over all of those losers in the primary. Uh, You know, Jeb Bush wasn't doing that. Jeb Bush probably had a a bus with, you know, a flat tire. Uh, At least that's how he ran his campaign, right? (laughs) But, uh, but definitely in the general against Hillary, who also had a lot of resources herself, right? She wasn't short on any resources. So, you know, yeah, just interesting, interesting anecdote. I mean, if you're talking about Donald Trump's stamina and, and the way he's able to accomplish all of these things, it, it really is amazing. And there's never going to be another president like him.
1: Speaking of, of accomplishments, and, and um, it's a, a hard pivot. Uh, (laughs) to the next subject so if you know if anybody's offended by hard pivots on this show yeah you're probably not gonna like it you're gonna (laughs) frank's (laughs) gonna have to keep me uh in line so (laughs) Um, i can tell um when when we talk about trump and the stamina and and getting to the elect the election campaign one of the things that's really really ticked me off um throughout this cycle especially from election night on was the idea and everybody to a certain extent has been guilty of this at one point in time or another in their life is believing that because the media calls a state it happens to be official nothing is official in a national election or even a state election for that matter i'll go down to a county level or a municipal level Until those votes are certified by the election authority, nothing is official. Everything we saw on election night from AP, from Fox, from CNN, from MSNBC, they were all projections made by a group of people that they hired to try and make the best guess of what was going on. Not one vote, I think, besides North Carolina. Did North Carolina just certify?
2: I'm not sure if North Carolina certified yet
1: they certainly took
2: their time counting so you know
1: until these until the election authorities in each and every state certify that election nothing is official and everything is fluid so the idea that well you know georgia's been called for so-and-so or arizona's been called let's use something literal arizona's been called for joe biden well not so fast because nothing's certified. That's a false statement. So yes. when so when they, when the Biden, and I know what the Biden campaign's doing, but when everybody else falls into the trap of saying, calling him the president-elect, he's nowhere near being the president-elect right now.
2: That's, that's completely right. And so this is actually a big tell by the media. And by the way, the people that they hired to make all the projections, those people were wrong in the first place, right? So- so they were wrong before the election, and they remain true to form now. Uh, but there's, this is actually a big tell, right, w- what the media is doing right now. It's it's a tell that they are afraid that they do not have this election in the bag. And when I say they, I mean the left, right, because the media is just simply the, the propaganda arm of the DNC. But what they're doing right now is they're conditioning us. They're ingraining President-elect Joe Biden, President-elect Joe Biden, into our heads mm-hmm. and— that 's simply not the case, as you said, he is not the president elect uh, and what I think they're doing is intentionally uh, sowing the the seeds for civil unrest uh, when and if President Trump actually you know becomes victorious in, in after the votes are counted and when the election is finally certified
1: oh absolutely uh, they they're setting the stage here to be able to say. They took the election away from Joe Biden yes. when the election hasn't been given to anybody yet through the official process.
2: That's right. And by the way, uh, we're, we're now in this weird space where the media is telling us never in history has anybody uh, ever contested an election the way Donald Trump's doing. And this is the same media that spent the last four years telling us that Russia stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton. I mean, you know, many people have noted this, but it's worth repeating The same people who have been going on about Russia, Russia, Russia for four years trying to say that President Trump was not duly elected are now claiming that President Trump is not going to accept the results of the 2020 election. It's absolutely mind blowing that anybody can believe these people or listen to these people or take these people seriously and not just laugh in their face at this point.
1: Well, it's it's been one-sided for for decades. If a Republican has won, it, the Republican re- president is illegitimate. Uh they called George W. Bush illegitimate for 8 years because they they wanted Al Gore to have won. Uh so every Republican president since then has been illegitimate or the election has been stolen. It's you know, unless they win Something is absolutely wrong with it. That is not the way people who are conservative or republican reacted to barack obama 's election twice and in that second election y- he had the the luxury of having the analyst Institute being able to twist arms to get his to get people mm-hmm. to vote for him, which in and of itself is a questionable use of 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 influence so uh, the media is always going to carry this water for the Democrats and the progressives. If a Republican ever wins, it's got to be because something was wrong or because it was stolen. And and that idea in and of itself has to be squashed. Absolutely. And you might think it would be easier for the Democrats to just uh, take a little sort of
2: stock of their party and, and look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, maybe it's us, you know. You'd think that it would be easier for them to, to go and, and do an honest accounting of what happened and why they lost, figure that out, fix the problem, and then try and go win the next time than it would be to gaslight the entire world into thinking <laughs> that something was stolen from them, right? But, uh, again, you know, these people have never played by the rules. They never will play by the rules, and that's sort of what we've come to expect uh, as Republicans. You know, we have to fight this entire gigantic propaganda machine. We have to wade through that just to get to the truth and uh and you know so a lot of people just give up they just can't they, they just don't want to be bothered now i don't blame them frankly sometimes you know
1: yeah there is now I, I did see a report that Clyburn and a couple of the other uh house democrat leaders started getting concerned about the platform being too far to the left and and a fissure is starting to happen between the uh the squad contingent and and the rank-and-file democrat progressives Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out because that's going to determine whether or not Nancy Pelosi becomes a speaker again. Um, But that said, and you you hit on something at the the tail end there about uh, what we accept and what we don't accept and how we have to change our thought about how we go about uh, competing with these people in the future. I, I tend to be a little bit radical about that thought um being from i cut my teeth on chicago politics so there's there's a book of what the republicans have always said is the parameters for how we're supposed to execute elections and then there's the book that i've seen throughout my life that actually wins elections and it is time to take a page out of the alinsky playbook and use those proven processes against the people who brought them to the stage
2: I agree with you 100%, Frank. I couldn't agree more, in fact. And I often describe myself as a Machiavellian conservative. Right? <laughs> that's, we are, that's a nice we, moniker. We are on the right side of these issues. We know we are on the right side of these issues because we are on the side that God is on. Right? We believe in God. Uh, and I believe that uh, wh- whatever our means are, our ends are moral and justified. And thus, we must, by any means necessary, win. For the future of our nation and for God and, and for, for our children, for, for their prosperity. Uh, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that if a lot, if conservatives would, would stop with this sort of, you know, genuflecting to the left and this losing politely and adopt an attitude of, hey, I'm going to win at all costs, even
1: if it's impolite, uh, that we'd be in much better shape as a party. How do, you, how, how do you think the left is going to react when, because when, I know this is coming. I mean, I know this is coming. When people on the right say, he's not my president. Joe Biden's not my president. He stole the election. <laughs> how do you, how do you think the gonna, their heads are going to explode? How dare you say he 's not your president he 's president of all the people, and how dare you say he stole the election he 's been sworn in office if in fact he wins yeah. but but this is just how how do you like it now? <laughs> Yeah, he's here to unify us, you bigot. Yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> How dare you
2: question his legitimacy? <laughs> yeah,
1: are, are you are, are you you're you're a racist? i you know I all of these things that they've done to us. If in fact Biden gets elected, and I don't think he will, I think you're right. I think Trump is going to pull it out, and they're just going to be apoplectic about it. But if, if Biden wins. If the people on the right want to want to make these people go back on their heels, do exactly what they did. And we should start impeachment proceedings immediately.
2: I agree. Uh, Look, we should be we should be charging people with Logan Act violations based on what the the quote unquote Biden transition team is doing, which is already talking to world leaders. Same thing that, that General Flynn went to jail for. They're doing it right now. You know, turnabout is fair play here. If Donald Trump really wanted to drop a bomb, he should go have those people arrested. Absolutely. Or he should instruct the DOJ to to open an investigation at the very least.
1: At, at least get out there and talk about it.
2: So, yes.
1: Gee, I, I wonder what she was doing talking to the Premier of China. Huh. You know, that oh, that that's that, strange that, to that, me. That's right. He was just getting the address for the Christmas card that he and his family sent to them for the last eight years. But that's okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know. no, that's right. So, like, in, in, in Republicans would be would be well served to to do what you said earlier, which is to take a, a playbook out of or a page out of the Olinsky uh, playbook, and to get to really get tough uh, because it's not something they're accustomed to, and that's why this country has become increasingly more progressive since the 1960s, as far as I can tell. I was born in 1992. It seems to me like we've been doing a whole bunch of uh, losing and compromising on our own principles instead of standing up for ourselves.
1: Yeah, there's a, a wonderful book out there. Well, wonderful. It's evil, but it's, it's like evil genius. Uh, the book called Nudge that kind of explains the way the progressives have nudged our country further to the left in a, in a manner of the frog in the warm pot that turns into boiling water. And so you're absolutely right. You're, you're talking about that you, 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 it appears that we've done this? No, we have. We have. We, we have been nudged into accepting a whole bunch of stuff that we never should have tolerated. Uh, and go, this goes all the way back to the beginning of the progressive movement when they've decided that what is meant by a living document means we can just redefine things and say that's not what they meant no right. that's exactly what they meant A the living document means that it is interchangeable no matter what the year is because there's solid principles and a, and a solid structure for any time on the planet earth to be applied to that's what living document means it's not <laughs> it's it's not that oh well let's see uh freedom now means oppression yeah that's that's it because progressives love to redefine words, we saw what they did to uh, during uh, the Amy Coney Barrett, uh, what Webster's did by changing. It. Let's just add something to the definition over there to validate what was said in real time.
2: Oh yeah, it was it was incredible. And then there was that whole scuffle during the hearings where she said "sexual preference," yep. right, which I guess is uh, is, a, is a bigoted statement. Now, except for the fact that the Advocate magazine, which is you know like the big gay magazine. Uh, and has been for a long time, used that very term in a story the week before she
1: said it. Yeah, and, Bi- and Biden used it, and Harris said it. And, and <laughs> you know, so th- this, and Heronos th- 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 uh, just a, she's Marxist progressive. Yeah. I've, started, I've started hyphenating that word with certain individuals. There's Democrats, there's Democrat progressives, and now there's Marxist progressives. Uh, Hirono's just a Marxist progressive. She shot out of, shot out of the box,
2: it's unbelievable that the same state could produce Maisie Hirono and Tulsi Gabbard simultaneously. They, one, yeah, <laughs> one yeah. completely bonkers and off the wall, and living on another planet, and the other, perhaps the most you know rational and grounded Democrat that there was uh, in Congress.
1: Yeah, I was uh, when I remember hearing her speak the first time, and I went, "Wow, who is that?" I love this new Republican voice. And then I saw the D next to her name, and I went, "Well, damn." Yeah.
2: Uh, she's look. She's been Tulsi Gabbard. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna miss Tulsi Gabbard. I'm sad she's gone. I'm not sure what she's gonna be up to these days, but um,
1: we should get her. We should get her on.
2: We should. We should reach out. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now, Pete, I want to thank you for coming on, and we kind of, kind of used this, say seg- this edition of the Underground to shake down what we're going to be doing. But Pete and I are going to have a show that's going to be associated with NationalFile dot com, hopefully called Uncensored with Frank and Pete. Uh, you'll be able to find it on iHeart, on Google, on Amazon, on all of the usual suspects. Every, every, every podcast platform out there is going to be covering it because we've already set that up. Uh, it's going to be a different take on the stories of the day, uh, different vantage point, a 360 point of view with a 180 attitude, you know. And I hope everybody checks it out. I'll be dropping the link in over at uh, undergroundusa.com. Pete, I look forward to talking to you again soon.
2: Likewise, Frank. I appreciate it. It's been fun.
1: You've been listening to the Underground USA. I'll be right back with closing thoughts after this. Find everything at undergroundusa.com.
3: Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea.
1: The profession of... Journalism. The profession of being a journalist has taken a hit over the last twenty, thirty, maybe even forty years. News outlets that employ journalists manhandle them into doing their formulaic idea of what journalism is supposed to be. It's chock full of narratives that are approved, narratives that are forbidden. Influence agendaism, for lack of, I think I just coined a phrase. Influence agendaism, which is an ideological bent that really has nothing to do with honest, fact-based journalism. Journalists are supposed to look at an issue with an unbiased, untainted eye and report on the issue regardless of whether people are going to enjoy what they hear or not. That's not happening today. We saw what happened with the White House Press Secretary and Neil Cavuto the other day, which pretty much sealed Fox's fate for me fox news is dead to me that they would not allow her to finish saying what they what she needed to say as a white house spokesperson even if she is a press secretary for a campaign it's for an incumbent president and she was talking about vote fraud and that's a pretty serious idea so fox can kiss my ass you know i'm going to keep tabs on what they're doing over there but i'm no longer a fan I, I no longer believe that they're fair and honest, or fair and balanced, or whatever their bullshit line of crap is. They want to try to keep feeding everybody. You don't censor people at all. That's why Twitter sucks. That's why Facebook sucks. That's why we've made the big move over to Parler and to MeWe. We and our handle is Underground USA. No space over there. Underground USA, all one word. Please. Sign up and follow us. We, we need to reestablish our following from Facebook and from Twitter. They're much better platforms anyway. There is no censorship. Thank God. But what we want to try and do, and, and you heard us going back and forth in, in, in this program, Pete and I over at Uncensored, uh, is to um, dive down into these issues and, and to do it as journalists who aren't cowards. Uh, journalists without agendas. And if there is a bias, it's going to be transparent. I, I, I dislike progressives, so I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm on record with that. It, it shouldn't shock, come as shocking or a mystery to anybody that I think progressives suck. I, I think what they're doing to our country sucks, and, and I think they're, at this point in time, because now they are Marxist progressives, they are borderline seditionists. Well, maybe they just are seditionists and they're borderline traitors. Yeah, maybe they just are traitors. They're seditionists and traitors. I dislike them. But I'm honest about it. So when I report, you know what my bias is. Not like the people at Fox who've always told you they're fair and balanced, but Project Arizona when only 1% of the votes are counted, or who cut off the White House press secretary when she's talking about voter fraud. So, getting back to what I really wanted to talk about in my closing statements is Uncensored over at NationalFile.com. Pete and I are going to be on there Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, talking about uh, the headlines, both there and elsewhere. We're going to have guests. Hopefully, we'll have some call-in people. Um, it's, It's going to be interesting. But do not fear. Underground USA isn't going anywhere. It's a completely different platform with a completely different direction about how I want to look at the news Um, and and the corner of the bar I think is a, is a very important component that is, that we'll be back next week um, that brings real voices from real people into an amplified voice. So you underground USA is here. Make sure you've, you're subscribed to us on wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you give us a thumbs up or a five star or leave a comment. You know, even if it's on Facebook, leave a comment. It's on Twitter, leave a comment. Even though I hate Facebook and Twitter now, they suck, 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 suck. Um, leave us a comment at Parlor. Leave us a comment at MeWe. You know, give us, give us, give us the numbers. Help our voice get out there. You can do that. All it takes is a like. All it takes is a follow. You know, um, and do the same for Uncensored when we debut. It's going to be an important broadcast. That uh, because we we have some people who have some connections over there, in the upper echelons of that organization, our voice is going to be heard places, and we can and will make a difference. So tune into us over there, and like I said, subscribe. You know they, these episodes download; um, they're there available for you. You can play them in tandem. You can get uh, I don't know two hours of sanity, as as opposed to. Um, a whole evening of the same pablum that keeps coming out of the Talking Heads, who really haven't been honest with you, you know. Unless you're listening to, unless you're tuning into Blaze TV, which I'm, I'm really enjoying these days. Um, you know, the Talking Heads, except for Tucker Carlson at Fox, who's the lone survivor at this point in time. Even Hannity's feeling shell shocked over there these days. Um, come and get some sanity. Come and get some straight ahead, unabashed, courageous. Reporting an opinion. So, everything we have is at undergroundusa.com. Like us, love us, thumb us up, follow us, uh, and tell your friends about us. Help us spread the word. Thanks for listening. I'm Frank Salvato for the Underground USA. As always, no political correctness, please.
3: Thank you for listening to Underground USA. Be sure to check us out online at www.undergroundusa.com and on social media. Please subscribe to our podcast at iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on podcast platforms like CastBox, podcast Addict, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and anywhere podcasts are heard. Underground USA is produced and syndicated by Compass Point Productions. All content is used with permission and pursuant to the dictates of the fair use copyright law. Any and all guests have appeared at their own risk. Rendezvous
2: with destiny.